This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a conversation with Einar Selvik from the group Wadruna to share with you. The catalyst for the conversation is the launch of a live album from Wadruna titled First Flight of the White Raven. Throughout the conversation, we discuss the album's many merits and what makes Einar tick. He is indeed a supreme talent. In addition to Wadruna, he creates music for the Assassin's Creed video games and he has written the score for the streaming series Vikings. To hear what Wadruna are all about, I'm going to play a tune. This one is titled Fihu. Of course, it is taken from First Flight of the White Raven. And once it is done, you'll hear from Einar. Let's go.
Here he is. How are you going? Hey. How's the uh, – I'm going I'm to make you laugh giving you Norwegian. Uh, it's about uh, seven degrees here at the moment, which is probably about the middle of your summers or thereabouts. We are freezing our asses off, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, All right. Yeah, get this it's cold probably here. warmer here then. It could be. Yeah, I don't oh, know where okay. it's come from. We've got an, an Antarctic wind that's come up, and uh, it's uh, you know we've got a few ski fields down in uh, Victoria, New South Wales. I'm in Queensland, which is actually subtropical, but you wouldn't bloody know it at the moment. <laughs> oh, oh well, it's uh, it's it. Uh, I, I kind of prefer the having having both worlds is 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 good. It makes yeah. you appreciate uh, the warmth more. So. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, how how have the zoomers or the calls? How have the zoomers and the interactions with uh, journalist types been going for this album year? Uh, yeah, it's been going uh, good. I, I sort of do it in these uh, in these waves, mm. so um, so it's it's not too bad. Uh, and and of course, it's a it's a practical way of of doing it instead of me having to travel all all the time uh, and and also um well do, doing them on tour uh is not a good thing either because um yeah one of the worst things for, for the voice is actually talking so in between tours i i, I have to try and um yeah do a, do as little of it as possible so yeah. having having uh, these uh, Zoom or Skype runs is uh, is very practical. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Yeah, do you find that people understand what you're doing? Are they asking insightful and intelligent questions? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, of course, it's uh, yeah. A lot of people read up, uh, of course, and and um, mm. and have, have genuine, uh, interesting questions. Uh, of course. Um, for many, for, for a new media who haven't been speaking to me before, mm. it's, uh, it's of course a lot of uh, generic and, and more background. And, and of course, I've, I've yeah. answered those questions a, a couple of times, but uh, uh, or more than a couple of times, I mean, um, <laughs> but it, it's necessary. Yeah. yeah, no, I understand. Yeah. I love what you're doing, by the way. It's something I haven't heard a lot of it, to be quite frank. Uh, I certainly was familiar enough with not you you as an artist, but your music through the through the movies, the, the TV series Vikings. I think that's magnificent. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's such a great, great musical accompaniment to the vivid images that have been brought to screen there. So that's the first compliment that I offer you. But something else too, I've been listening to First Flight of the White Raven you know, this live composition that you put together. And listening to that, it helps me go to sleep. It's not that I'm a, you know, not that it's boring, far from it, but it sort of helps you go into that dream state. Is that, is that feedback you've been given before? Absolutely. Uh, some use it, um, uh, some use it more actively. Some use it as, as a more meditative, meditative, uh, thing or, or, uh, um, yeah, as you say, um, mm. ha ha helps you calm down or, or focus down in a way. Um, mm. and, and some even use it to, um, to, uh, yeah, for work or for writing and, and stuff yes. like that. Um, because it, yeah, I guess it, 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 it kind of 
gives you this uh, uh, yeah it, it, it focus uh, gives you a focus in a way or, or mm. yeah narrows down your your focus well it's Pinpoints. beautifully recorded though that's the other thing it's wonderfully recorded I can hear everything that's going on I don't need air- airpods or what have you to listen to it I can listen to it on my iPhone speaker as I'm drifting off but cool. um, I, I read somewhere too that uh, what we hear with First Flight of the White Raven, that's actually how it was recorded. There was no overdubs in the studio afterwards or thereabouts. So was it always the plan to release a show as a a special release like this? Is that why it sounds so musically perfect? Uh, No, uh, that was not the the plan. Um, Of course, somewhere there, there was a hope that if if the quality was there and and the energy was there, um, Mm -hmm. then then of course that potential was there as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, too, too often I, I think, um, well, this is a live in studio recording basically, uh, mm. you know, that we did in front of camera, um, uh, as, as yeah, what was intended to be the, um, the release concert of, of the Kvitran album, uh, this was during the pandemic. So, mm. So there is there is basically no audience there, and I don't know. Uh, these days, or or I guess it's been like that for for a long time. Uh, a live recording is very often not very live. Um, mm-hmm. In many cases, it's it's uh, yeah, a lot of auto tune and re-recordings and uh, yeah, tracks, overdubs. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and and. I don't know. Um, since there is no audience or, or nothing, I, I felt even more so the, the importance of uh, keeping that energy of, of it being something, something, mm. um, yeah, more real in a way. Um, of course, uh, <laughs> if we had been playing shit, uh, <laughs> I would probably not, uh, <laughs> not, not have a, um, been so, um, yeah, maybe that concept would have uh, not yeah. not been the case, uh, yeah. but thankfully it was, and and we had actually not seen each other or or been in the same room together um, for for over a year. So I think that um, yeah, the fact that everyone came very well prepared and um, yeah, the the excitement of of being together again and. Um, I don't know. I, uh, th- there was a special energy there, and I, I, I think we were able to capture that. I think uh, you faced some of the same similar sort of challenges that Tom did with Trypticon when he did the uh, Roadburn Festival with the Metropole Orchestra. In that, if you didn't have somebody as capable as, uh, I, if correct me if I mispronounce her name here, Katrine or Katrin, uh, he had Safa Haraji who really helped him deliver that and make that come to life because that female vocal is just crucial. But how, how did you pick Katrine to be a muse, your female vocal muse in that respect, or have you just always worked with her? Ah, uh, you mean Lindy. Lindy, Lindy was it? Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, she's, yeah, actually, uh, the first time I, I heard her um, uh, was, was, before I actually, before I even started working with uh, Wadruna, and and I don't know, she has that. Uh, well, her, her um, um, she has a background 
uh, or a heritage as a Sami um, indigenous. Ah, Finland. Um, uh, yeah, or Norway, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. You you oh, have okay. you, you you have um, uh, these people, uh, and and um, she her heritage is, comes from there and uh, you, you really hear it in her voice as well. And uh, so first time I heard her, I just knew that at some point uh, I, I need to have her to, to be part of, uh, of this project. And um, mm. that I, that I at that time was, had started envisioning. Uh, so a few years after when, yeah, when I was, um, had started doing the first recordings, I, um, I approached her and, and uh, yeah, invited her uh, to join and um, the rest is history, I guess. But I don't know, having, she, she is just such a force of nature and, um, and, and <clears throat> you, you never really know what you're going to get, you know, you can plan, <laughs> you can plan uh, to certain uh, degree when we mm. work creatively but um, it, it's always wise to just uh, leave the recording going and, and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, give her space indeed. because I don't know she, she has a very unique uh, t- unique vocal style and unique take on music in general um, so she's, she's a very important part of, uh, of uh, the creative process and yeah very thankful to have her of course, okay. Katrina is is also um, a, a good addition uh, to have. She she does the backing vocals and uh, and um, and uh, this first flight of the White Raven um, uh, recording is actually her first ever performance uh-huh. with us. So, well, both yeah. do a magnificent job. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's the one thing that struck me is that gosh, this is a live recording, is it? I mean, if you told me it yeah. was, I understand it was live in studio. I get all of that, but you're still performing it all at the same time. You're not stopping and going back and doing all the usual shenanigans that happen in a bloody studio. You got to go through it all. So, were there no. was there just were there just hours of rehearsals to prepare for this? No, actually not. Uh, and um, like I said, when we came into studio, where that was our our first uh, meeting, we all came very well prepared. Uh, there was a one day of pre-production. Uh, mm. But uh, all of us weren't present, uh, and and so when we started doing it, we we basically did one test run, uh, uh, and then uh, then we played through, and um, and sometimes we did it twice. Um, so we had two different versions to to choose from. Also, oh, okay, in terms of yeah. this, this was a. a, a a, a, a multi-camera production as well, so the the, the camera people needed <laughs> needed uh, their their best shot as well, you know. So yeah, so we did uh, play through it uh, twice in most cases with uh, with each song, and um, and then a third time for for like uh, extra camera takes basically. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, when you're composing, though, for Badruna, I know you, you've got so much going on. Uh, you're also a black metal drummer. That's another thing. Uh, that's certainly where I think my awareness of you came about was the, uh, wasn't Gehenna, sorry, it was uh, Gorgoroth, sorry, Gorgoroth, wasn't it? But when, yeah, when, you com- yeah, when you're composing music, when you're in those very early stages of composition, even when you've got a melody in your head and you're just thinking, where will this land? Do you have to choose early that it becomes either Wadruna 
you know, one of the Assassin's Creed, you know, for the video game or even the Viking soundtrack? Um, I, that totally depends, you know, when, when I'm working for, for, uh, for, uh, yeah, do, working on a Gudruna album, I, I sort of block, block out everything else. And, and my focus is very much there. And I, I immediately, immediately hear when, when, when a song or an idea has the potential of, of, of being there. Um, and, um, yeah so so to answer your question i yeah it, it, i immediately hear hear when uh, uh where to, where to put it and and of course music for assassin's creed um with that project i worked with a totally different uh parameter uh, that was more locked into a like a specific time period uh which meant um i i had to be stricter in terms of of uh, what kind of instrumentation i chose and uh, and so on you know it, it it that that had a um a more of a fixed concept um in, in terms of my instrumentation but also in terms of the thematics the the lyrical content and so on whereas with wadruna it's I'm more free, you know, I, I don't, for me, it, it's not about trying to replicate music from any specific time period. I use mm -hmm. instrumentation that goes from Stone Age through Bronze Age, Migration mm -hmm. Period, Viking Age, Medieval Times, and even modern inputs, you know, so it's, it's much more free. And it's basically the, the themes themselves that define the instrumental needs, where I record, when I record what state I'm in when I record and so on. Um, mm. That is sort of the core quality or, or core creative concept of Wadruna, that it is actually the themes themselves that define all of these mm. parameters of which I, how I, I um, how I record and, and what tools I use. Yeah. Well, you, you clearly have a deep and what what I'd say is a spiritual connection with your Norwegian heritage and and that part of Scandinavia. What what was the catalyst for you to to embrace the culture and the rich and meaningful manner in which you do? Um, well, I actually don't. I don't know. It's um, or of course I know, but it's. I guess there are many reasons for it. It's something I've always. Um, carried with me. I grew up with being exposed to a lot of history. Um, mm. and, and so I got a sense of it, sense of place in, in history. And, and, um, um, so when, when, when I started to, to get these, to sort of find my own interests for these things and, and this, these traditions were as a, as a young teenager, um, yeah, I, I, I realized that a lot of these older, um, these things that I had been exposed to as a child, they were, they were still there. Um, and mm. so, um, even though my, my, and also musically, I grew up with a lot of traditional music and, and, uh, historical music as well. So it, it's always been there. Um, so even though I was working with m various metal projects and so on, that's, uh, when I came into my, my 
early 20s, I was sort of done with that part and, and uh, um, yeah, had the need to do something that was more in line with my own interest and passion and heart. Mm. So, and, and, and this idea of doing a project like Wadruna had been brewing for, for a few years. So, um, I basically, yeah, it, it was kind of born out of a need, both a personal need to do something. Um, I, I had a, had a real passion for, uh, but also, I don't know, the, the, uh, the void of there being, uh, music like mm. this, um, who, where, where the themes were, uh, themes and, and traditions were, were interpreted more on their own premises rather than just having a borrow, borrowing small elements here and there, uh, whether it's music mm. or lyrics or imagery, which you find in both traditional music, world music and, um, and metal music for that mm. uh, part, that, that there were elements of the old traditions there. Uh, mm. But I, I, yeah, my vision was more doing it with both hands, um, more on their own premises. Uh, um, so that, yeah, that was kind of born out of a need, both a personal one and, and uh, uh, yeah, the lack of there being such a project. Yeah, no, I'm hearing you. Yeah, hey, have you had to? I've, I've spoken to Shriegel from Elvedi about this topic, but uh, have you had to deal with those idiots who accuse uh, artists such as yourself, who you know dive into your rich, rich heritage, Norwegian heritage, European heritage? Have you had to deal with those idiots that accuse you of being a white nationalist or a Nazi or any of that bullshit? Um. Uh, only on a few occasions because I've, I've been very outspoken, you know, here in Norway, after World War II, um, working with part, like the runes and, and certain mm. symbols and, and parts of that tradition has been um, a very touchy subject, uh, especially after World War II. Um, mm. And uh, so when you do such thing like I, I did, you, you automatically have to defend yourself or, or prove that, oh, yeah. that this is a, this is a serious project. We're not political. It's yeah, it's about something else. Uh, and, and so that is something I, I basically had to do from day one. Uh, um, not that it was ever like a focus, but, but I, I was put in the spot where I had to like, uh, defend, defend my work. And, and, and yeah, that's, that was kind of not a problem. So I, I think even though uh, certain people have, uh, uh, have, uh, from time to time there, there has been these silly accusations. Um, I don't know, <laughs> you can, you can just Google me and, and yeah. Runa and, and that theme. And, and I think, um, I think you won't have, have any trouble finding, um, uh, yeah, hundreds of statements of, of, of me <laughs> telling yeah, gotcha. where, where, where I stand politically. So it has never really been a, been an issue, but of course there are people who, who, uh, who want you to do this and that. And, um, yeah, there have, has been also threats, you know, uh, from, from, uh, the extreme yeah. left. Uh, where where oh, yeah. and uh, where where they sort of want to um, 
yeah, if you don't do this and uh, don't do that, we're gonna uh, do do a campaign campaign on you. But yeah. I don't know. I don't give a give a shit. I, I do my thing. And, and no, they're just uh, cowards. Like, they're just cowards hiding behind keyboards. Yeah, I have to say the the threats go both ways, and and um, um, and, and that. <clears throat> yeah, I don't, I don't have a have a have a need to to uh, defend myself uh, for these things. People people know where I stand and where we stand. Yeah, I, I'm I'm clearly not in your shoes, but I wouldn't I wouldn't think that you need to defend yourself at all, mate. If they don't like it, they can go and fuck themselves. Honestly, I mean, it's yeah, just, yeah. you know, we're in this position now where we're going to constantly defend positions that we don't even have. You know, you're either, even these days, you know, according to the left, if you're not really anti-racist and online, you know, yelling at everybody about it, you clearly are still a racist. They've got no bloody idea, mate. I, hey, in my household, I'm the only white person in my household. Here's the tip, you know, I mean, this is the shit mm. that these idiots carry on with, that we're all natively racist or something, and it's just absolute garbage. And the sooner we get over this woke tide, the better. Yeah, it, it's you know when 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 uh, when uh, yeah the, the the extreme left is is uh, yeah whether it's the extreme left or the extreme right you know uh, you go kind of <laughs> complete circle so yeah. they they meet they it's meet again they, they're yeah. yeah they're they're kind of doing the exact same thing uh, it, it's more about fighting than actually uh, making any progress, and, and I don't, mm. I, I, I don't think that um, creating uh, divisions and, and uh, ever did any any good, and, and screaming at the barricades ever did any anything um, constructive for, for this case. Um, mm. I, I focus on, um, I focus predominantly on what I am for not what I am against. And, and so I yeah. prefer talking it's about all the things that I am, am, am pro rather than, rather, uh, rather than uh, focusing on, on everything I'm against. You know, water the tree you want to grow. It's as simple as that, basically. Well, you, you've got an extraordinary talent uh, with, with your, comp- your compositional talents. I mean, in the past life, you must have been, you know, you must have, you know, spent years in Austria or in uh, Vienna or something like that because you've just got this wonderful gift at the moment which you're bringing to people and it is making a difference for people. I hope you know that. No doubt you get that feedback. And it's music that I love to listen to in the, in the still of the night. It helps me uh, go from here when I've been working on the laptop too much with the job down to about here, and I'm, I'm sure that's like that for a lot of people. But I'll, I'll let you get to the next one. You know, you go. You're yeah. Oh, uh, but, um Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And it, it is truly um, um, special to, to see that so many people are, are connecting to, to the music on a personal level. That, of course, means a lot. Um, uh, yeah, if you're, it's, it's like the, the best one can hope for, that uh, people connect to it and, and find inspiration within the art. Uh, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. I'd love to see you down here. I don't know whether that could ever happen, but uh, you have an audience here. Yeah, I, I know, and and uh, it is something that uh, yeah, um, I definitely see it in, in the pipeline, and and uh, wonderful. Uh, yeah. at, at some point, we'll definitely come down, yeah. come and visit down under. 
Well, we look forward to that day, mate. You're very welcome to come down whenever you want. There's certainly going to be a crowd there for you. So, uh, look, congratulations on everything thus far. Long may you continue to compose such beautifully orchestral and, uh, you know, with this, this wonderful Norwegian and Scandinavian uh, narrative that you've got there. It's a joy to listen to. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much, brother. All the best with everything. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Well, there he is, ladies and gents. Einar Selvik from the group Wadruna. Had some interesting commentary there toward the end about those morons who accuse anybody of playing music that they perceive as being paganistic or celebrating European culture as white nationalists or Nazis or what have you. Yeah, they're certainly out there these days, aren't they? But I get a bit of a feeling that the woke tide is starting to ebb a little bit. Maybe we've hit the high tide mark and it's starting to go down. The Johnny Depp case is a case in point. There's a few other things that are going on, but yeah, we've still got drag queens dancing before kindergarten age kids and all sorts of shit happening. It's pretty sick stuff ultimately, but all we can do, listen to music and support the artists. That's how we contribute. Guys like Einar, who are doing their bit. Anyway... If you like that conversation and you want to listen to many more just like it, go across to scarsandguitars.com. And if you like listening to these sorts of conversations, maybe you want to read the book as well. Well, you're in luck because I've written one, Scars and Guitars Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal, Hard Rock and Beyond can be yours. Click on the banner at the top of the Scars and Guitars website and you'll be taken to a marketplace of your choice where you can download a sample and hopefully complete the purchase and buy the whole book. And if you do, please do hit me up on socials or send me an email. It's easy to do on the website. Let me know because I want to thank you personally. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Why don't we have a listen to some more compelling reasons to pick up the book? Thanks again. Let's go. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Ever. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I, I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms it, yes. Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton. 
gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldina. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.